0: into the DNVR podcast hot and fresh out the kitchen. Happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian viewers. Much appreciated all of you. I'm Rudo joined as always by AJ Hayfley here to talk about actual free agency happenings on today's episode of the show. As Friday not a ton happened, but over the weekend most of the big names have come off the board or are expected to come off the board in one way or another. Um, We obviously already did the emergency pod on the Avs big move, trading Zadorov for Brandon Saad. The Avs have made no moves in free agency as far as unrestricted free agents are concerned, and I think, well, no NHL moves as far as unrestricted free agents are concerned. And the expectation is that is going to remain the same, yes? Totes. So, the Avs made their splash by uh, by making a trade. They do have some internal guys that they've signed. We'll get into that. We'll yeah. we'll talk about how we feel about some of those moves and their their price points and all of that. But first, let's talk about the big free agency names. The biggest one, of course, maybe the most surprising one as well. Taylor Hall, after talking a big game about wanting to win, signs an eight million dollar one year deal in Buffalo. No one had Buffalo on their list of landing spots for Taylor Hall.
1: I mean, I joked about it that both Hall and Petrangelo should go to Buffalo. And, like, Petrangelo plays next to and Hall plays next to Eichel. Boom! I have kickstarted your franchise. <laughs> um, I didn't think one of them was actually going to do it. Also, um, the whole hall thing is really interesting because he had he had talked a little too much about winning being a priority. Because had he not done that, I think people would not have reacted in such a visceral way. Yeah, to him going, uh, to him going to Buffalo uh, because you can understand it. He gets to he gets to play. He gets to play in the. Uh, on the on the left wing next to Jack Eichel, he gets to go back into the market. Um, it's a low pressure situation with a high reward for him. Seeing exactly how that worked out for Jeff Skinner, why wouldn't you? Right? Yep. And then he also gets to go play for a head coach that he really likes. Also true. Like there are a lot of personal, you know, human reasons for him to go do this. It's just that he had made so much noise about winning. And then he goes to the franchise with the longest playoff drought. And it was like, maybe you shouldn't have said some, some yeah. of those things. Eh? It
0: doesn't quite line up with what you were saying, does it?
1: But- yeah, because it's like, it's like, had he not said anything about it and just been like, you know, I'm going to try and find the best situation for me. You could easily argue, like, hey, Buffalo, Buffalo gives him a lot of opportunities that he would not have gotten had he signed in Boston or Colorado or Nashville. You know, where he's fighting for ice time, where he's fighting for, if he has a five game slump, well, there are other really good players around him, where that dude's going to get dropped in the lineup. You know, like they're in Buffalo, they're they're just going to drop him next to Eichel and be like, all right, we're riding and dying with you, homie.
0: The news floating around was Avs offered somewhere in the range of six and a half million for one year to haul, and he wanted the money, so he ended up going to Buffalo.
1: When you keep in mind that with with the way that the escrow is um, offering him six and a half, he would have ended up taking a haircut off what he made last year. Yep. And then at the eight million, you cut off all those numbers. He probably makes right in the same neighborhood. Sure. So. You know, a a lot of good. He makes he. It gave him an opportunity for both money and fit, and the situation that he was comfortable with. All right, all of that, all of that, honestly, makes sense. But when you go out and you talk about winning, and you want to find a situation where winning is your priority, and you turn down a top five team in the NHL over a million and a half especially on a one-year deal. If it was a million and a half on a seven-year deal, and you're talking about the difference in the money being, you know, I can't do math, so whatever that is, $15 million, $12 million, whatever it ends up being. It's a lot of dollars. Yeah, like I could completely understand. Oh, okay. Like that's a lot of money to just be like, I'm good. But for one year, a million and a half, when you've made forty-five million dollars in your career, you know, this is not like Ryan Graves coming off of a seven hundred thousand dollar contract or something, where it's like a million, a million and a half is a lot of money to a to a depth guy who may never see that money again. But for Taylor Hall, a million and a half, when you could have put yourself on you you would have surefire been the top top line in the NHL and you would have had a chance for a career year and set yourself up to go ham in free agency. I I mean, all right, dude, like I don't, everybody has to make the choice, the right choices for them, but it's, Had had Colorado offered eight million and he still chosen Buffalo at eight million, then I think that this would be like whoa. But as it is, it once again just looks like a situation where money talks. And I would say we should all keep this situation in mind in two years when Nathan McKinnon is up for a new contract, and everybody's gonna be referring to his quote from last summer about I'll take less to win, and he signs for thirteen million dollars. Keep in mind, you're muted,
0: Rudo. I, I was just yepping in agreement, so it's fine. But, yeah, he... Look, $13 million may actually be less for McKinnon,
1: so... <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, he's going he's gonna to get so much money that it's like, whatever, right? The idea of him hitting the open market is almost unfathomable. Yeah,
0: the, the Diaz will basically send him a blank check, so... Yeah. It, that's that will be what it will be um, in the forward free agent market. There are still a decent amount of names floating out there. The only real other big free agency forward name that signed was today in Tyler Toffoli going to Montreal. Montreal, mm-hmm. not afraid to give out term giving Toffoli four and a quarter per over four years. Um, well, good for Toffoli,
1: I guess. Yeah. Um- It seems like it's good for Montreal. They get a... I mean, do you think that they're regretting the Josh Anderson contract after seeing what they just got Tyler Toffoli for?
0: I think they were regretting the Josh Anderson contact the minute they signed it, but...
1: (laughs) I mean, that's...
0: Yeah, that thing is gnarly, but... Well, they have
1: a ton of money now wrapped up in wings. Yeah, let's see.
0: So they have projected
1: already They're over, the, over cap, the
0: cap, but Alzner is going to be, or not Alsner, uh someone is on LTIR expected for them to to get back under cap. But yeah, this is.
1: I mean, you look at the Duran Anderson yeah. Tatar, to, to Foley Gallagher.
0: That's all wingers, and that's like twenty-two million dollars in five wingers.
1: Those are five highest paid players.
0: Even then, you even go a little bit further with Byron at three point four. Yeah. And then their first center is Dano at three million.
1: Yeah. And you have uh Kukiniemi in the final year of his ELC. Who's gonna have to get paid? Yep. Yeah. Well, if you expect if he if he has the kind of year that they're banking on, like there's no excuses at that point. I mean, those are all good players. Those are all good NHL players to some extent. Yeah. You know, like that's, and next year they can just let Tatar walk and no big deal. But if they want to keep Brendan Gallagher, they're going to have to give him a serious raise. Yep. Or they just, again, let that guy walk. Cause that's, I mean, that's six wingers, you know, I mean, that's three lines worth of dudes. That's a really good forward core, but you need some centers to help you out.
0: You're your best centers are are Kakaniemi and
1: probably Suzuki. Yeah, and then Dano is like a really good. Like, is he a two C or a three C? Yeah, man? right. He's kind of on that that two C three C line that we had that we saw Soderberg straddle for a long time.
0: Yep. So, and, and this is a problem that uh, Montreal has faced for a long, long time: is not having a proper top line center, which you know maybe. Kakaniemi gets there eventually or Suzuki does or whatever, but then they have to pay those dudes too. So it, maybe the tofoli deal helps them a lot. I guess you're right. And in, in not having to overpay a ton for that dude, but
1: yeah. And it, and it kind of sets them up like, Hey, they can now let Tatar walk next year. Or yep. if, if for whatever reason, they're not competitive. Um, Flip
0: that dude hard.
1: Yeah. You move him to the deadline. Okay, great. So that interesting I've, situation for them. I think that the fully totally deal is just a great deal. I mean, It's a great contract. Yeah, contracts from more more like that in UFA. We wouldn't look at UFA as like the fear of God that we do. Oh, the the
0: f- f- coming from the AS perspective, the fourth year seems a little bit eh. But for Montreal he's like twenty eight right, years old. Like, right, right. That's just specifically the Avs' situation with having to sign McKinnon in three years, but. So the Avs went, uh, went with Sod anyway, so it's a, it's a moot point, I guess. But that also means, because those are the only two big-name forwards that have signed, is there are still a lot of guys out there. Uh, both the guys coming out of Florida, Hoffman and, and Dadnov, have not yet signed. You can find a a couple other names out there as well, up and down no, the Grandland. list. Grandland, unsigned as well. Galchenyuk still out there. Um a little bit further down. Even you got guys like Matt Nieto and, and that middle class that has been getting squeezed pretty badly. So it's, it's still burning, I guess it's been a little bit of a slow burn.
1: If, if you're a month from now and you're getting ready to go into the year, I mean, if Matt Nieto is still out there, are you tempted to give him a one year, like $1 million deal just
0: for like dirt cheap
1: where it's just like, this this keeps us from going out at the deadline and getting this guy for a fourth-round pick? Or do you just say, screw it, we we like the – I mean, Sackick said he liked the forward depth that they have. Yeah, I don't – And I do too, because I, your Jost may be a scratch, Count may not be playing, Logan O'Connor needs to graduate, Shane Bowers is knocking on the door. Like, we're about to see a flood in the next two years of ELCs yeah. and young guys.
0: I think the ev's are already deep enough. I, I really do. Uh, it's going to be disappointing when Cout doesn't make the opening night roster already. So why why clog that up even more?
1: Okay, I'm just saying like this is this is the only way that you can realistically guard against what happened in the postseason, where I, I, if I, five I, forwards go down, you because you can exploit the ELCs and you can no. exploit waiver exempt guys. No. You just say screw it, just play no. them.
0: No team in the league can can do this. If you go five deep, you're playing AHL dudes. That's that's just how it is. You have to be able to stay healthy, man.
1: Yeah. It just feels like a particularly touchy subject in Colorado right now of like, okay, well, what if they get hurt again? Like all, all these guys get hurt again. Then, you know, you're you're screwed. But
0: then they all I get guess. hurt again. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't play that deep to injuries yeah you get your couple of depth guys for expected injuries and you you just have to hope that it's not a freak thing where half the team gets injured because no team survives that
1: well and and i would say that up front they're set like i'm i'm fine with you know jost o'connor Cout, bowers yeah uh, i guess realistically you're gonna have to include dries and Tynan in there. They came back. I mean, maybe even a Megna, who they resigned.
0: Like, they they have a bunch of dudes. Add Salamaki and uh, Schiffer, Kiefer Sherwood in there. Yeah, that have NHL experience. Uh, if you're looking for warm bodies that have played in the NHL, they have plenty of that.
1: Yeah. So, and I mean that's that's where Salamaki will be the new shiny, right? In right. training camp, it'll be like. Yeah. Oh wow, he he plays really hard. We and, we love that and, guy's commitment. He does all the right things. He's going to win the 14th forward job. I know it's not what people want
0: to hear, but if it were me, I'd be actively looking to move a forward if I was Colorado still. Yeah. Because I Martin Couch should be in the lineup and right now he's not.
1: And that's that's not even from a that's not even from a, um, like, we're prospect dudes. Like, we like the AHL team. Right, we like right. following prospects. But that dude's that's right. not even, He's just
0: ready. Yeah.
1: That's not even from that perspective where it's like, we're not carving out space for Shane Bowers, who's still a total unknown. Yep. We're carving out space for the guy who played nine games, looked good, looked like he belonged, is very well liked in the locker room. And this was one of the things that, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the things. This is one of the things that you knew when you drafted him is that he would be ready pretty quickly compared to other guys because he could come in and help you in the bottom six right away. A guy so let him.
0: that you actively refuse to burn the ELC on in yeah. these playoffs so you could have it for next year. and the right. so that So that
1: you could have this for the next couple of years. Yeah. Like you want the cost certainty that it gives you. Now it's time to use it use use the savings that you're going to get even starting this year use those savings if you can find uh, another forward deal out there because you know it's a projection to say that he can give as much as a Donskoy can but if you could find a deal out there to try and go get a top 4 D man uh, you know then bam
0: you just trade that you just trade whoever forward gives you value. I mean, it's yeah, not, and, it's not a hard proposition.
1: Well, and then you include a you include a pick or a prospect or whatever to balance the scales that you need, and yep. it was you know, and then you just replace Cout with that guy in the lineup. You save that money, and then you're you reallocate the money to whichever guy that you've acquired, probably a defenseman.
0: Yeah, it, it's super easy. Whether it's just
1: balancing the roster.
0: I, whether it's Joost whether it's Confer, whether it's Donskoy.
1: Yeah, any of those. Uh, I mean,
0: Belmar too, if someone's interested in him. Like, it doesn't matter.
1: You would think that in this market, maybe not yet, but at the deadline, I wonder if Belmar would be like a sneaky, like low-key
0: guy that could go somewhere. Has yeah, the, like
1: we'll, we'll flip you, you know, like Winnipeg figures out that Nate Thompson sucks, right? And they're like, oh, God, we need a 4C. And they're like, here, Colorado, take a fourth-round pick. <laughs> yeah. Like, then you just drop Shane Bowers in there, and you're like, okay, one, two, three, go.
0: I mean, even, like, the Avs have plenty of versatility in their bottom six.
1: So yeah, definitely. Because we can't even come up with... I can't even come up with a... Uh, I, I say we like I'm speaking for you, but I can't come up with a lineup that I, I'm 100% am sold on.
0: Yeah, and I think... Part of that problem is we both think Confer should be a winger, but.
1: Yep. I mean, uh, I would I would just, I mean, Nachushkin, Joost, and Confer. Yep. That's how okay. I would do it. And then Donskoy continues to be my misfit guy that I just don't know what to do with, right?
0: I, I think it just, one of Confer and Donskoy doesn't seem to add up, right? They. So,
1: yeah, maybe maybe Donskoy for now and then Confer next to Calvert and Belmar.
0: Sure. That, I'd say
1: Stylistically it's a better fit.
0: The only ones that you really feel are super locked in are Calvert and Nachushkin because you just paid him. Uh
1: I don't think the third line is the biggest weakness.
0: No. I mean biggest question is probably goaltending, but we need to take our first period break. So you we think can so I do. I I still think it's mm, the well, biggest. Let's get question. into it. Yeah, we will. Uh, But first, got to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, and get any number of their favorite beers from, first of all, the DNVR bar, where we have eight of them on tap, or straight from the source in Littleton from the farmhouse. They have all their beers there. And you can go online and use the Breck Beer locator if you're out of state to find Breck Beer near you. Of course, they have it all over the country now. just depends on uh, which one's. Excuse me, which ones Whoa. you
1: want to drink? Uh oh, AJ just found some news. No, not like big news. Just uh, you know, Patrick Williams, the guy who covers the AHL, does yeah. an amazing job of it. By the yeah. way, yeah. like there's like two guys who cover the entire AHL, and he's one of them, and he's incredible at it. Uh, he just sent he just tweeted out a big list of AHL regular starters who are unsigned. So if we're talking about third goaltender options. Those are all those dudes. I mean, well, I mean, it's let, a look, big
0: list. Let's start there. Uh, how hard are the Evs looking for a third goaltender? Because they did QO Hunter Miska.
1: Well, Sakic mentioned it today in his presser. He said, "Look, we're we're really pleased with Adam Werner. That's good to hear. We yeah. we think that we we think the world of him. We qualified Hunter Miska." He kind of just said we're happy there for right now, but we're going to continue to look. And you know, the list that Patrick Williams just tweeted out—none of these guys are going to are going to do anything to 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 move the needle at the NHL level. Cool. You know, Landon Bow, Jared Coro, Philip DeRozier, Andrew Hammond, uh, Zane McIntyre, Garrett Sparks—like none of these none of these guys do anything for you at the NHL level. It's it's no different than Michael Hutchinson, yep, um, type of dude they're all exactly the same.
0: Yeah, I I think that's kind of where you're going to sit at this point. Um if you're not ready to give Adam Warner the job is Hunter Miska good enough to be a 3.
1: I mean, we don't know. We haven't yeah. seen that dude. I
0: We don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, that's that's kind of the reality and and th- my reservations about the Yams' goaltender position don't get solved by a third goaltender anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. Like that was, uh, you're talking. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how many times we can have this third goalie conversation where it's like, yeah, you guys, there's no, the only, the only like quality third goaltender that exists is like what Dallas has with Jake Ottinger where it's like a top prospect kind of waiting to break in who's doing a good job in the AHL. The Islanders signed Corey Schneider today to put Ilya Sorokin in the AHL. Like, that's a quality third yeah. goaltender option. It,
0: it's what you're hoping Adam Werner is by the end of this season, basically. It,
1: and what you're hoping Gusta Sananen is... In a year, yeah. In a course, year or two, yeah. yeah. Like, that's that's yeah. that's where we are. Like, with the the way that third goaltenders are, it's...
0: And, right, the reason that I think the goaltender is the Avs' weakest spot is because Grubauer or Franços, whoever you prefer, has not come out and proved that they're a top-ten goaltender in the league. That isn't to say the Avs are bad at the goaltender position. I think they're fine. Uh, I think, as is, they're perfectly capable of doing the thing. But they could be better at that position. Whereas I look at their forward core and I go... Outside of getting a Taylor Hall, their roster is is to the point where you're really only min maxing it.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Colorado's a, outside of maybe one like surefire proven top four defenseman, the roster is set. Like we're talking, the top six guys are all legitimate top six guys. They're all guys with twenty goal seasons and you know way more than that potentially, right? The middle six guys are all middle six type dudes. The bottom, the fourth line is all fourth line type dudes, guys that you can kind of move around a little bit. I think the only like hard fourth line guy that they have right now is probably Belmar.
0: Yeah. Otherwise,
1: it's a bunch of bottom six guys that you can kind of rotate around. Comfer and Donskwek kind of moonlight as your quote unquote middle six, where those are the guys that you move up into the top six when somebody inevitably gets hurt and misses some time. Depending on which guy, which spot, et cetera, et cetera. But that's like that's that's it. The four you know, and we've talked about it. They're fifteen at least fifteen deep at forward where you're comfortable. That's fine. Great. You're that you're set there. And then defensively, you have you know, you have your guys that you know you're going to get.
0: McCarr and Gerard are locked in.
1: Yeah, you as know Johnson's there.
0: Johnson is locked in as as realistically probably more of a second pairing guy now, but certainly top four still. Yeah. And, and then you're saying, look, you have to put Byron or Timmins, probably Byron in there, who is you're expecting him to be a top four player very soon, if not immediately.
1: I think I think for right now, no need to expect. Don't ask that of Byron. I think that's too much to ask of Byron with zero NHL games played.
0: I understand. You bring him in, you leave him on the third pair, and you shelter him. But you have to look to the future a little bit, and you have to understand that guys have to walk before they can run, and he's going to be a top-four D-man for you in the future.
1: Yeah, that's certainly the hope, but he has to still take that job. And I think you drop him in there, you play him, what, 12 to 15 minutes a night? Yeah. Mostly, mostly, even strength. Maybe moonlight on the second power play unit next to Gerard, uh, where you have two D. Let him be kind of more of a roamer or a shooter, or whatever. And then, you know, maybe maybe he's like your third PK guy, or I'm sorry, your fourth, fourth PK, probably, yeah. yeah. And like like let him like dip his toe in the water, and then see how he does. If by if by game forty, it's like, hey, this guy, you know. You'll know when he starts to demand more. Yep. When he starts to ex- really excel in that role, then you just start giving him more. You start feeding him more of it, and that's that's how you're going to get it out of him.
0: And I guess this is where I sit with that. At a certain point, you just have to bite the bullet and believe in your projection in a guy and stop putting barriers in front of him
1: by going out and getting other dudes. I think if they went and they got a top four guy, like a they convinced Jaworski to say yes, right? They signed a Brendan Dillon, you know, a, like a proven top four guy. That's a defensive oriented guy. You know, that's on a one or a two year deal. That's cheap. You know, like I don't, I don't love him, but when this all this Vegas shit goes down, Alec Martinez is, comes available. He comes loose, right? And they're they're able to get that guy potentially for super super cheap. He's got one year left on his deal. It just kind of it just kind of guards against failure.
0: I I hear the guarding against failure, but I don't feel like the abs need to right now. As we we've talked about this off air, at least after the Brandon Sod trade, the abs can come into training camp and they have bullets in the chamber. They have Byram. They have Timmons. They now have this Gilbert guy who could maybe be a bottom pairing guy for them.
1: This is the the problem with those that trio though is that between them. Gilbert has, what, 23 NHL games played? Sure. sure. Timmons, there's not, has, Timmons has four. There's not a lot of experience there. I I
0: 100% hear you. I 100% understand that. But if you're going out and getting a guy, I want someone who can be replaceable. I don't want a locked-in top-four dude that they're just never going to take the job from.
1: See, the guy that I want him to take the job from over time is either a Graves or a Cole.
0: I don't even because if, if those they are top four guys really
1: though. Well, and what I'm saying is that if you go and get a top four guy, an actual top four guy, just for a year, then you you probably undo it. Probably uh, it probably clears up some of your forward logjam. That and is, then that is true. And then and then what it does is it gives you the ability to just scratch one of those guys in favor of Byron I'm telling you, I am telling you right now. They want to play Byram. And it doesn't matter if they go and get another guy or not. They want to play the dude.
0: So They I, want to
1: see what he has.
0: I guess there's some trust there from you that maybe there isn't for me, that there's a willingness to play Byram over a guy that Alec Martinez is making $4 million this year.
1: Well, and Alec Martinez is the one that you put next to Makar instead of Graves. And then you have Graves and Cole on your third pairing. And whichever one of those guys shits the bed first,
0: all right, uh, that's still a dude you're sitting that's making at least 3 million dollars this year. Fine.
1: If you think if you think the avs are willing to do that then I'm all for it. I think I think that they uh, like Sackett is always he he said today that they also wanted the two positions the two positions that they wanted to shore up. <laughs> Coming into the offseason, they wanted another top 40 and they wanted a top 6 forward. They got one of them. And because they got the top six forward first, I think they're going to be able to pull from that to get a top four forward if they want one. Like if you're if you're Vegas and you're, and I'm just using this as an easy example, because Alec Martinez only has one year left on his deal. It's only four million dollars. So even if even if Vegas retains half, it's not a big expenditure for either team. And it's just a temporary thing. It's a one-year thing while a guy like Byron proves himself. And
0: one year, I think is basically a requirement here. You can't go out and lock someone in ahead of these guys. Um, But
1: like they just did with Ryan Graves.
0: Right. Exactly. And we'll get into why I don't think either of us are in love with that deal in the next segment. Yeah. But it, they have to tread carefully here. I will put it that way. And, If they believe in Byram and if they're willing to go out and get someone and then sit either that person or Graves or Cole to play Byram, then I think it's fine. I'm perfectly okay with that, but I would need assurances that they at least have one eye on the future here and giving players like Byram or if people get hurt, a Timmons opportunities to prove that they can be part of the future of this team.
1: So I think, I think the way where the organization is on Timmons, because he's really the guy that's kind of stuck here. A little bit, because with, for
0: sure. Yeah. Byram
1: has the higher upside, all the sex appeal, right? Like his yep. fourth overall pick, super high-end talent. And to be honest with you, you're 100% hoping that he's your number one. He's on your number one pairing in two years. You yep. want that guy next to Kale McCarr while they... And let them
0: just stomp the league, basically. Right, like
1: you want them, neither one of them is going to win the Norris because they're going to steal votes from each other kind of thing.
0: And this is, look, this is why you want another top 4D here because if that's your top pair, your second pair in the immediate is Sam Gerard and Eric Johnson. And those two, first of all, EJ's not getting any younger. You can talk about how, you know, you, you don't really play that pair together, but you need another... if you want to solidify a top end, top four, because EJ is going to come out of that conversation over the next couple of years. And is that Connor Timmons? Maybe, but the abs haven't seen it from him yet. And there's a lot of a conversation around Timmons right now. Can he stay healthy?
1: Right. And I think that's, that's where I was getting with he's the wild card is because I think the organization looks at Connor Timmons are like, dude, you're an NHL player. You're ready to go. We want to play you in the NHL. But you haven't had a healthy a healthy year in three years. Yep.
0: Even this past year. Not,
1: yeah, not it just wasn't the playoffs. But he but,
0: also had a leg injury in the AHL season. Right.
1: Well. And he missed he missed a couple of weeks with that. And it's like, yeah. look, dude, if you just can't if he can't if he can't have the convers if he can't physically hold up, you have a problem. Yep. So That's the question with Timmons. It's not the player. It's 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 the health. Can can he just take a take the beating? And I think that's why he's probably. I think that's probably why you just roll with Timmons in the AHL to start the year, and then that's why I think you get a veteran guy, a seventh guy, because you do want some kind of experience. You're not. You're. I just it is just not conventional. And I understand that sometimes conventional wisdom exists because it's always existed and somebody established it and nobody ever changed it. But with rookies, you don't know what you're getting. And between Byram and Timmons and Gilbert, they've got like 30 NHL games played between three dudes. I just have a hard time believing that a team with Stanley cup aspirations is going to roll with those guys.
0: I hear you, and I do think it brings up a hard situation when you get into the inver- injury conversation, right? Because if you're running a bottom pairing of Byron and Timmons or Byron and Gilbert, all of a sudden that pairing is super dicey for you. You have to work in players. You At that point, you're probably even talking about moving Byram up the lineup to play him yeah. as a
1: veteran. Shit, but- dude, even if you're talking about Byram and Timmons.
0: Right, it, I'm okay.
1: saying You're, you're nerd Like you get one, Byron starts on the year He's playing next to Ian Cole You're like, okay, whatever, you know, life is what it is One injury in You know, the predictable Eric Johnson Knee injury takes place And all of a sudden You have, you know, 23 year old Sam Gerard and 22 year old uh, Kale McCarr and 22 Year old this and 19 year old that And it's-, it's just, it's very, very Very young and like Gerard has three full years of experience and two playoff runs under his belt, but well, I guess three, he was there three, for the national yeah. one. And, and then, you know, McCarr has a year and then two playoff runs. Like there, there's some, there's a little bit of experience there, but uh, it's baby steps of it. I'm not
0: super worried about that, but what you're worried about is look, the utopia version is you play Byram and Timmons and they're good and it just works and they're consistent and you don't worry about it. But right. the and reality- like Ian cole's
1: a really, really expensive seventh D for right. you in the final it's- year of his contract where you're not worried about it.
0: Right. Exactly. But the reality is those guys are going to have ups and downs and you, yeah. you have to manage them. I, I think I just take the approach of maybe you go out and get someone a little bit less solidified for the one year. Uh, to give more opportunity to those guys.
1: Well, and then you're just saying, well, okay, we'll just bring Kevin Connaughton back. Yeah. I, that's the archetype of the guy I, that you'd be bringing in. Maybe not Kevin Connaughton, but you go and you get, you know, random, random free agent still, still sitting out there. Sure. And it's like, this guy's Kevin Connaughton. His name is just different.
0: And I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with that guy as seventh D and then you can assess game by game basis, if someone goes down, you can say <laughs> Ron Hainsey. you can say, do we want to play this guy or is this a weak team? do we think we can beat this team? Can we try and run out the two kids? because I don't think that should be entirely off the table. It's just something that you need to be in control of. yeah um but anyway, we can take our second period break there as we do need to talk about WGT golf, our gaming sponsor, loved by more than 20 million players around the world. We now have three clubhouses. So go on over to dnvrgolf.com and search for DNVR three to join our newest clubhouse. You can play a bunch of amazing types of golf match play, stroke play closest to the hole and others as well. And challenge anyone at any time they're online to true to life courses like Pebble Beach, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes, and many others as well. We have tournaments on weekends that you guys can jump into. So come join the fun with the DNVR crew. And we also have the Colorado rugby beat beat. That is the word I'm looking for. Glendale at Infinity Park now is the home of men's and women's USA Eagles 15 team. So the best rugby in the country is happening right here in Colorado. And reporter Colton Strickler is taking you behind the scenes for anything and everything on the USA rugby scene. He has podcasts. Give him a listen. If you like rugby, you'll love the podcast. If you're new, he has 101 pods to get you helped with knowing the game and all of that. So jump in there, help support us, give the rugby, Rugby account a follow. Go watch, read, look at all of his content on DNVR.com. He is awesome. Highly recommend all of his stuff. So check out rugby and, and join the fun with us on a, a sport that America isn't super well known for yet. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Rudo and AJ talking free agency a little bit. Uh, before we jump into the av stuff real quick, Alex Petrangelo still unsigned, but the expectation is he is going to go to Vegas once they sort out their cap situation. Um, It's a bit of a weird one. Supposedly, they've had like four deals in place to move Nate Schmidt, but it just hasn't
1: happened. Nate Schmidt alone won't cover it either.
0: Yeah. I mean, Nate Schmidt will get them to where they can sign him under the offseason cap. Yeah. but And then
1: they'll have to, I mean, flurry. Yep. Someone like no Jason Demers is really bad now, so no, let's not do that.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think Nate Schmidt is a possibility
0: for the Abs. They just cost too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like four or five years left at five point nine million dollars. Like that's yep. ugh, that's not something you. This is why I was talking about Alec Martinez because four million dollars, one year commitment, that would be super super easy for both teams to make that work. Even if Vegas had to retain a little bit or whatever to make it fit for Colorado, like that should be easy enough for them to, to make that work, you know, give them, give them a Matt Steinberg level prospect
0: that costs them nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like pull from this enormous group of forward prospects that you now have and start using some of those assets to spend. Not all those guys are going to hit. You know, you straight line to yourself. You think even half of those guys are going to be NHLers.
0: We were having the conversation the other day about the Aves third round picks. And one, they're <laughs> very solid. But two, if you get one NHLer out of that pool, you're feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah. In the last couple of years, it's been uh, used to um, Sampo oh. Ranta, Alex Bocage, Matt Steinberg, oh, and then Jean-Luc Foudy. So find the, find the, find the guy that, you know. Isn't all of those be- guys are intriguing in their own way. Yeah. You could see all of those guys becoming very different NHL players. Like yep. that's a that's a wild variation of what those guys would be if they max out.
0: Got a wide range of dudes and you just hope one hits, one that yeah. you hold on to anyway.
1: Um, so that's that's kind of what I, that's why I was talking about Martinez, just because yep. they're going to have to do something to shed cap. And he's an obvious candidate because you got Alex Petrangelo, you can afford to lose a defenseman.
0: And this is, I think the point that you've made consistently that I have glossed over a little bit is as absolutely looking for short-term guys.
1: One year, because this is, this is why you like, you don't want to get long-term. You don't want to put something in Byram's way. Yep. You know, you want to, All right, kid, go Blossom. Like The three-year deal that Ryan Graves got today doesn't do that. It does not block anything.
0: Keep flexibility in your roster a little bit right now is is a key part for the Avs, given the contracts that they still have to sign in the next couple of years.
1: It's funny because like the more these two-year deals that they get, the more they can seriously start to hone in on next year. Yep. And I think that's one reason we're seeing them be as aggressive as they are with their RFAs right now. It's no, I'm not doing this. I'm not trading for Ryan Reeves. Um, We're getting, we're getting right into this topic right now, Kevin. The, the more, the, the more aggressive they were with their RFAs, the more that these numbers get locked in over multiple years, the easier it is for them to, the the easier it it is for them to start having the conversation seriously with a Landis Gog, a Grubauer and a Makar. Now, McCarr is the one where it's like he has absolutely no reason whatsoever to sign a deal unless the abs are just like, you know what? Eight years, $10 million. Screw it. We're not even going to play. Just take $80 million right off your ELC. And he says, dope.
0: It, it's it's the difference between a, a guy with ceiling to give and Landis Gog, who is a very established NHL player. He's in the middle of his prime. Everybody knows what he is, what he's going to bring. So,
1: but we haven't even Petrangelo in Colorado is not, is never been a thing.
0: That's I, I not even listening to that troll right now. All right.
1: We're going to just, but with, with, with them having some of these guys locked in with them, having graves locked in for multiple years, it makes it easier to plan your long-term cap, which makes it easier to sign Gabe Landeskog long-term. He gets that guy you know, six and a half or whatever. Okay, great. Now you know what that number is. Then you can start to work on Macar. Then you can start to work on Brandon sod. Yep. Then you can start to seriously have a conversation about, okay, if sod works out, if this goes the way that we think it's going to go, and he's going to be a great fit for us, we can afford X amount of dollars knowing that Kadri's contract comes up the year after. And you probably just let him go.
0: The, once the land deal is done, the only remaining variable that you don't know about next season is who gets taken in expansion. Yeah. So you have a very, very solid idea of what your cap is going to look like. Yeah. McCarr can be a little bit flexible, but you have a decent idea of the range that he's going to sign in.
1: Yeah. And they just don't have expiring contracts next year. Yep. They're, they're expiring contracts. Assuming that Joe does a two-year deal, which Sackick said was a possibility today. Then, you're talking about their only expiring contracts are Landeskog, Saad, McCarr, Grubauer,
0: Calvert, and
1: Cole. And like, th- right? But I mean, like, of guys that you're bringing back, like, oh, yeah, you right. Calvert, Calvert Bellmar, and Cole yeah. are all UFAs that you can internally replace that you don't worry. You're Boom, not, yeah, you're bye.
0: not even having that conversation. They're going to free agency. Yeah, basically.
1: you don't. You don't need to have. Any of that conversation, and then you're talking about Couts on an ELC, Bowers is on an ELC. You're hoping Alex Newhook has the year that you're expecting him to. He's on an ELC. Byram's on an ELC. Timmons is on his second deal. A cheap that's that's how you're affording all this shit
0: because you can get the cheap internal replacements.
1: Yeah, because you have a ton of ELCs that are on their way. Nikolai Kovalenko's on his way. That's an ELC. It's... So that's that's where they they've done a great job with putting themselves in a position to transition out of some of the UFA decisions that they have made to get them to this competitive point. And now they can start to replace them internally with the cheap young guys. Then you can start having the hey, we've got four guys on ELCs, Nathan McKinnon making $13 million. That's how you afford that.
0: Well, and and this is where I think extending sod is brilliant because outside of new hook, who realistically you're looking at as a cadre
1: replacement. Yeah.
0: The rest of the abs prospects that are coming in, you're probably not talking about top six guys as
1: right. Like counts as, as close as it is. Right. Yeah,
0: And so you have those guys cheap in your bottom six and that frees you up enough money to retain your top six, in the immediate as it is with one more year of Kadri no. and then new hook dropping in and you've not gotten worse. You've in fact, there's an argument that you've gotten better while being cheaper on the back end and maintaining the super high end as well.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest variable that we're uncomfortable with here, Phil Grubauer.
0: Yeah, I agree
1: because you have no idea how that guy's going to play. We have no idea what the next contract is. With Makar, we're saying, on the high end, we're saying $10 million. Realistically, I don't think it's going to be that much.
0: I'm expecting, like, split the difference and call it nine-ish.
1: I'm expecting, I'm expecting Thomas Shabbat's eight-by-eight to be the framework to which they base their conversations off of. Yeah. I think that they're also going to have the Miko Ranson in 9.25 conversation, and I think that there's a decent chance that that dude ends up at, like, $875, 9000000 million. Yep. Somewhere in there. If he goes off and scores 85 points this year, all bets are off. But if, if he does another 50, 60 points, yeah, then, you know, you're looking at... Some of that was going to have to be prorated as well because we're not going to have an 82-game schedule. So if he scores 50 points and you only played 48 games, well... Dude's making 10. All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, some of that's gonna depend on his second year, but that's also where you are. Like if if you have to pay ten million dollars for that guy, you have to pay ten million dollars uh, yeah,
0: for I'm, that guy. I'm sorry, JJ, but uh Caleb McCarr is exactly the dude you overpay.
1: Right. <laughs> well, and the same in the same way that Toronto Mitch Mitch Marner is definitely overpaid by about two million dollars. But they're not they're not losing sleep over Mitch Marner. yep Mitch Marner's producing for them. You know, Johnson mm,
0: almost almost got there. We almost got him there.
1: All of those guys in Toronto are at least producing. They're living, they're living up to their deals. And that's, if yeah. you're going to, if you're going to pay big money, then you have to have guys that, that produce and, you know.
0: Yeah. That's, that's we'll the think. reality of it. Uh, we do need to get into uh, the two RFA signings. Uh, Valent Ryan Graves. The Avs signed both of them officially. Nachushkin to a two-year, $2.5 million deal. Ryan Graves to a three-year, $3.1 uh, million deal. Nachushkin, I think it's a fine deal. I think if you just don't look at the free agency market, it's perfect. When you see guys like Vlad nemesnikov sign for $2 million, when you see some of the cheap forwards out there, especially the forward side, it feels a touch expensive, but not anything that I'm going to complain about. Yeah. The the more interesting one, and I think because they gave him three years, Ryan Graves, $3.166 million. Uh, This is a conversation we've had. We know the Avs really like the guy. It's not that big of a surprise, but it just feels a little expensive. So Graves should be fine on this contract. I, I think the point to make here is I don't think these contracts hurt the Avs. They just could have been better. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, we have, this is, this is like, this is the nitpickiest criticism of Joe Sackick in the last several years.
0: 100% nitpicking.
1: Simply, simply because he's done such an aces job at rebuilding the franchise and putting them in a position to win a Stanley cup. But the, these are dudes that are all, they've all gotten maybe overpaid just, just a touch.
0: We're talking like 500. We're talking
1: like JT yeah. Comfer last year and people gave me shit for, for that. And
0: <laughs>
1: at the start of year two, I sure look like I have a decent point there. Yep. Um, Ryan Graves. Again, I, I would have said 2.2.5 was really where I was comfortable with them. Same not on a three-year deal though. Like I can under, not on a, the the fact that they gave him money and the years is a little rough for me. That one. And when I was looking at his, when I'm looking at his comparables, there's just not really a good one that says this was, this was a good deal. You,
0: especially with what we just talked about with Byram coming, Timmons potentially coming and now drafting Justin Barron, that third year of that deal you could be talking about paying your seventh D three million dollars to sit on the bench.
1: Yeah. And then you could we could be talking about Brian Graves in Seattle in a year. Like that, right. we don't even we don't even know.
0: I do think that does make him expansion bait to a certain I, extent. But
1: well and and I think that when they're picking from Colorado, they're going to have they're going to have intriguing options. Pavel Francois at $2 million is going to be sitting right there. Um, Ryan Graves on that with two years left at $3.16 million is going to be sitting right there.
0: One of Don's going confer will be there.
1: Yeah, because now that they've gotten that forward, your top six you protect. Yep. It's your it's McKinnon, uh, Landis Coggin, Rantanen, Kadri, Burakovsky, and Sod. You protect. And you then, don't even let even with sod on an expiring contract, you just don't mess yeah. with it. And then you,
0: then you pick your seventh it. of maybe it's Donskoy, maybe it's Confer, maybe it's Nechushkin. Pick one. Maybe it's just
1: Sure. Yeah. Because you want the you want the cheap contract. Yeah. You know, at that if I had to pick one of those guys today, I'd be picking Nechushkin.
0: Basically pick one of your bottom six that aren't Belmar or Calvert.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then you know, go from there. Then and then and then if you're Seattle, you're sitting there. Let's just say they protect Michushkin, just to sure. make this easier. Then you're sitting there. You're picking. Okay, do I want do I want Jonas Donskoy? Do I want JT Conver? Do I want Ryan Graves? Or do I want Pavel Francois
0: And you, uh,
1: and Colorado's you, prepared to replace any of those guys. It doesn't matter which one gets taken.
0: And Seattle will just take whichever one they build the rest of their draft around. It's yeah, it, it's not super relevant. The way this sets up is. The only one the abs don't save significant money on is Fransos. The other three, they're getting at least three million off their cap hit.
1: Yep. And that's the one where you hope that they don't take like.
0: I guess they could to take Jost if they're protecting the Juskin.
1: But whatever. I mean, but that's that's the one where you're hoping that they don't take like the.
0: Right, they go into your AHL system. Yeah,
1: and like, like hey, we're gonna take this nine hundred K guy, and you're like, yeah. Oh why would you take Logan O'Connor? This doesn't help.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: But I would also say that this, this contract also sets them up for having the conversation of the EJ buyout next off season before the expansion draft,
0: especially if he doesn't waive. but
1: yeah. yeah, because then it's either EJ at 6 million for two more years or it's EJ at 2 million for four years. And by the end of that four years of with that buyout, you know, the cap will have gone, will have started going back up. Yeah. And so, and that gets you into McKinnon's extension and blah, 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 blah. So a lot of things to consider there, but the, the Graves deal, it felt a little heavy handed on the years and the money, but not by, not by enough that I'm upset by it. It's like,
0: yeah, that's the exact way to put it. you 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 look at it and you do a you do a little bit of a cringe because you're like should have been a year less should have been 500k less but it's okay.
1: and and you're talking one year of performance got him a three year yeah. deal yeah that's- and I had it in my my January first article in which I made a bunch of bold predictions that did not come true one of them that I had was that Ryan Graves would get a three year deal there it is now. I had him at 1.9 million, but that was also <laughs> before a bunch of other stuff happened. Yeah. So. yeah. So, um, I was, uh, I was using the Nick Holden contract and I accounted for inflation and did all kinds of math. And then the pandemic hit and, and, and
0: everything blew up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. so graves graves on a three-year deal, you know, he's a really good dude. He really fits your culture there's always value in that a guy that really fits the, I- your identity and your culture. There's a lot of value in that. Is it so much that you might've just overpaid a third pairing defenseman? Well, on the other side, you have Ian Cole making four $4 million. Yeah. It, so
0: give and take, give and yeah. take for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and like, what what's the fourth year salary for graves as the that was the ufa year and then he goes into ufa it was 4 million dollars yep so if he goes into ufa at 28 somebody and he continues to play the way that he has somebody'll pay him yeah yeah so i'm i don't I, the trick for ryan graves has always been do it again yep if he does it again you're not you're not sitting here thinking anything about 3 million dollars
0: I have concerns about him doing it again to the extent that he did, but sure, I think he's uh, as we've said many, many times, he's an NHL defenseman. He's not going to just lay an egg out there.
1: The big question is: is one playoff performance got to get just got to get better? Just right off the top, everything in the postseason has to get better. Two, can he do it away from Kale McCarr? How much? How much of the success do you attribute to the fact that Kale McCarr was his most frequent partner? I had actually never looked at his teammate breakdown and all of the data until today. And he was successful with all of the regulars. I was surprised at the level of his success next to Sam Gerrard. I was like.
0: Surprisingly good.
1: Yeah. Like those are not two guys that you think of as, as together.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh right. shit. Whoa. oh.
1: Okay. Well, the Avs just acquired Devon Taves. For what? For second rounders in 2021 and 2022. Okay. So this is the top four guy that they were talking about, and he is an Islander. So let me tell you about Devon Taves because (laughs) I fucking love this guy. He is a picture-perfect fit for what Colorado wants to do. Literally, literally a perfect, a perfect fit for what Colorado wants to do. And he is an RFA. Devontae is really, really rock solid. He's a really good skater. He is a ultra try-hard. He's going to fit in on, on the, the the left side of this defense. I guess it, he could play the right, too. Uh, he is going to fit in really nicely. Uh, he drives play better than just about anybody other than uh, McCarr will on this defense. And defensively... I would take him over Ryan Graves. I, I don't... This is confusing to me. Yeah. Because if they could have done this this morning, Ryan Graves doesn't get a $3 million deal. Right. Or a three-year deal. The Ryan Graves contract
0: makes a lot less sense
1: now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, because the... Devontae's contract... Uh, Devontae should have gotten Ryan Graves' contract. Yep. Uh, I'm thrilled with this because he is a legit top four. His underlying numbers are the shit. He is really good. He is clutch. He's got that clutch gene. He's made big play after big play in the postseason for the Islanders. He's a really smart player. He's not going to rock fools. He's not going to, he's not going to give you the big, you know, the big sexy, but I'm this even more now. I wonder about an EJ buyout next year, because this is, they're building, they're building a legit defense. Now, Devon Taves is a legit top four dude and giving up two seconds. It's really expensive. Yeah, that's
0: very expensive, but
1: we've also talked about all of their third round picks have been better than their second round picks, not named Timmons. so F it. (laughs) I am super into this deal just because I love Devon Taves. Um, they, right. picked, they picked the they picked the right team to trade with, so I could talk about this live on the air. Yeah,
0: that worked out great for us. Uh, here's my question:
1: The Isles are out of money, which is why they traded him.
0: Totally, but the Avs are going to be out of money after they pay this guy. Um, are, are we assuming a contract in the similar range of Ryan Graves here?
1: Uh, no, I would have probably said more. So you're saying more. The abs have to figure out what they're paying this. Kid. This, this can't be a short deal,
0: right? Given that they gave up two seconds, this is a commitment, right?
1: This can't be, this can't be a two year deal for them. So, like if it, if it ultimately ends up being that, like I'm not going to throw a fit, but he's 26 years old. He's coming off a 28 point season He's been really good in the postseason for the Isles the last couple of years. He is. He. Yes, I wonder, dude. This I, if if Eric Johnson's not ready to go at the start of next year, then we're having an LTIR conversation.
0: Right, that's what I'm saying because the EVs—they're out
1: of money, man.
0: They don't have enough room to sign this guy and sign Tyson Jost and keep their cap. Flexible enough, at least to certainly not enough to keep Kale McCarr's bonus within it, um, and realistically, maybe not even keep it under at all. If you're talking about giving this guy more money than you just gave Ryan Graves,
1: man, I. So, they are going all and in... okay. All right, I'm trying to process all of this on the fly. Yep. So. What I think what I think happened against Dallas is that Eric Johnson got hurt. Kale McCarr and Sam Gerard were the only guys who could fucking skate. Yep. I'm sorry. Adult language. Um They were the only guys they were the only guys that could that could skate pucks and do anything kind of offensive. I uh, you fast forward to the defense that they're going to have next year. This does not change anything for Bowen Byram for me. I think he's still going to get an opportunity. Um, I'm going to I'm going to assume that Eric Johnson's like hurt, just based on this turnaround that he's not going to be ready for the start of the year. Uh, immediately have instant regrets about not asking Sackic about it this morning. I went into that presser thinking about it and then forgot about it. Well, um. This is this is a dude. This is a dude that can skate the puck and he's a really good defender in his own zone. I'm I don't know, man. I'm this is it's
0: He's thinking hard. He's thinking hard on this one.
1: Yeah, he's I can't, I like, I cannot express, like, this is a, this is a perfect fit for what they do. He's a great skater. He's a great transition player. I've loved him for years. I, he's a really, he's, he's a great find for the, for the Islanders in their development. The dude, the dude is legit and he's, he's going to fit in where he fits in is odd.
0: I don't think it's that odd. I think you drop him into the top four pretty easily.
1: Yeah, but you're like this dude next to Kale McCarr and they are going to be, they are going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then Gerard next to Johnson. And then you're having Graves, Cole and Byram and Timmons and Gilbert. I wanted an experienced dude. Um, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, And for two second round picks, like, again, the Islanders are out of money.
0: Yeah. The, the reason there's no player going back is because yeah. we're just dumping this guy because they could. They,
1: they had, I think, $7 million to pay Matt Barzell, Ryan Pulak, and Devon Taves. And so Taves is obviously the easy man out in that conversation. He is the obvious guy to move from those three. It's too bad I'm live. I wish I could take my pants off right now. <laughs> this was such a good deal, man. Like, two second round picks is great. That's all good and well. Um, that gives them ammo to do something else. That probably gives them ammo to... to <laughs> probably give them ammo to attach two second round picks next to... Uh, no, no. To to Andrew Ladd's contract, just to get rid of him, just to
0: dump that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um. So here's here's my question. Still,
1: jeez, man
0: how how do the abs work this? Let's assume EJ's hurt. Well, how do the abs work this once he's get health? Once he gets healthy, because someone has to sit.
1: So if he's if he's hurt. I guess you could whatever combination, right? You just move somebody at that point.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm kind of getting at here is it feels like looking at their cap situation, the Avs are going to have to do something. It might not be this off season. It might be something in the middle of the season, but things are going to get real tight real fast with this move. Not, not exactly sure where you end up with this, but what is, is Ian Cole the target now, given that you just gave Ryan Graves three years, is Ian Cole someone you can look to move out?
1: Yeah. I wouldn't do it in this market, not yet, because defensemen, really good defensemen are getting moved for nothing. (laughs) Devontae just went for two seconds. Ryan Murray got dumped for a fifth. Like, mm mm-mm. Yep. I wonder if if Joe Sackick just decided he was like, I don't do third-pairing defensemen anymore. Yep. And he was like, I'm just going to have an entire defense full of top four guys.
0: I mean, he just signed Ryan Graves, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So
1: Dude, I don't I really wish this shit wouldn't continue to happen to us while we were alive.
0: I'm I'd rather it happen live than two minutes after we ended the pod. Totally,
1: but like I'm trying to process all of this and we're trying to at least be entertaining while we're still here live.
0: Instead of just sitting here thinking and doing this. this does,
1: like 20 minutes of the show. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's the way it goes though.
0: Sometimes you gotta you gotta roll with the punches. Um, <laughs> the Avs are definitely done now. There's no more bringing in any players for them. If anything, they might move somebody out and they still have Tyson Jost to sign as well as Taze now has to be signed to a contract. So
1: work to be done there. Um, I, and this has to, again, this can't be a two-year deal, man. He's 26 years old. Yep. Yeah. You you went and got this guy to make him a part of your to part make him a part of your back end. This needs to be like a four or five year deal. The good this and this is. does change things for this does change things for the expansion draft because now they have to get Eric Johnson to wave. You didn't give a shit. If they took grind Graves, you were like, Ah gee golly. Now right, they're like that's a bummer. Now they're but protecting
0: Taze. Yeah. yeah,
1: they have to get they. Eric Johnson has to waiver. That dude is bought out. That changes the math on that immediately. He has to. I got the plastic knife again. Yep
0: yeah, the knife of the knife of trades right there. Or...
1: <laughs> yeah, their left side of Taves Byron and Gerard is. N-
0: Some casual Makar on the right side as well.
1: Yeah, well, and then Makar, and then obviously you project a couple of years with Makar, Timmons, and then Baron, and it's just like, whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You had to get a tase for Sod to play with.
1: (sighs) That is... Dude, I don't understand. That's Lou Lamorello just got rolled. (laughs) I think, uh, look, I don't think
0: that's necessarily a cheap trade. I think two second round picks is expensive.
1: Right. But I mean, the most, the most difficult thing in the nhl to acquire yep. isn't in his prime top four defenseman
0: and the Avs did it without giving up a first round pick
1: they well and they they didn't yep. give up a first round pick and they didn't lose a piece off of their stanley cup contending roster they yep. walked into the offseason with two clear distinct desires one of which one of which was a top six forward that they mm-hmm. used nikita zadorov to get And then they used draft future draft picks. Like the downside, the downside of this is that they will now barring other deals that acquire picks. They will now be without a second round pick for three straight years, which you talk when you, this is really early in Colorado's cup contending window to start dicking around like that with the draft.
0: It, I think, well, so here's the thing is that they didn't give up their first And I think,
1: which isn't really important, they
0: should be very, very, very careful about moving one of those out now. They should look at holding on to that first, unless it's the guy that you truly believe wins you a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah. Unless it's the Barclay Goodreau, we're trading this first for. And basically, a first for a third, and we get this guy that really fits a very sure. specific need for right. us. I and mean, it's if you're like, getting
0: picked, they just
1: like moved that. down it's 50 different. spots. Yeah,
0: that's a different conversation. Yeah. Right.
1: But it's this is so, this is they have to be careful, though. Like, when we're talking about all these ELCs that they have coming up and all these young guys that are going to be cheap, how did they get those guys? They, a lot of them they drafted. Yep. And That's so if hard. you give up if you give up a bunch of draft picks, it reduces the number of chances that you get to get NHL players out of these. You just look, I'm a draft guy, I'm an asset guy. I'm just saying you have to be careful. I love the deal because the value is I think insanely tilted in Colorado's favor. The Islanders were a conference a conference finalist that just lost a key piece of their defense for two picks that probably will not when they if they if they make them probably will not have an impact on their NHL roster until 2026. Yeah, 2025, 2026, maybe 2024 if things go really well. On October 12th of 2020, this feels like an amazing deal for Colorado, but you do have to consider the future does matter. 5 years from now does matter. So, okay, they've moved out these picks They have to be very careful. They've built a deep enough team at this point that they should not go out and mess with fourth-round picks for Vlad Mastikov and third-round picks for Derek Broussard anymore. Those deadline deals have to be done. You can't continue to pull from your war chest of picks. You just took two big bullets out of that chamber And while this is a great deal because they didn't give up a first, I'm just saying you have to be careful. This is a clear and obvious today. This is a slam dunk obvious choice for the Avalanche, especially if they're able to get Taves on a decent contract.
0: Yeah, that's, I doubt it'll be done while we're still on this podcast, but that's the last piece of this puzzle is what does Taze end up signing for? And then the Avs understand what they have to work with going into next season as well as whatever length it ends up being. But um, the Avs are better. I think this is is the key I want to take away from this trade. We've been saying it all offseason. Make your team better. And the Avs did it with Saad, and then they came and did it with this Taze trade as well. I'm still, like, I still have my reservations about Byram getting playing time here. But based on what AJ said if you're gonna go get a guy, go get a quality NHL player that makes your team better.
1: This makes them. This. This makes me want to fucking trade Sam Gerard. Like I don't want to do that. But. I don't. I don't. I'm like that's what's next. Like this is getting so out of I was, this. The defense is getting so out of hand, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just like it's so weird because like half the defense here, like these guys are all so good. Like between Gerard and now Taves and Makar, like so like okay, and then you have Byram, and then I am full blown convinced that Connor Timmins is gonna be a good NHL player. Like, this is no. Are they definitively the team that beat in the West now? Even if Vegas goes and gets Alex Petrangelo. They're going to have to give up something in order to make it work. I want to see what happens. I want to see what they lose in order to make the Petrangelo stuff work. But before any of those dominoes fall, how can you not look at Colorado who was second in the West last year? Am I right? Were they ahead yes. of Vegas? In points? Yes, they were second. Okay. The they were second in the West, two points behind the leaders in the West last year. The leaders in the West, they they replaced Petrangelo with Krug. Krug is a very good player, but he's not Petrangelo. So they got a little bit worse. I don't know before before the Petrangelo dominoes fall with Vegas and whatever they do. As of this moment, I don't see how Colorado is not the favorite in the West.
0: I mean, they were the favorite in the West before this. They were the favorite to win the Cup. They Before the sod trade, before the Tay's acquisition. They were the favorite. Are they Are they a harder favorite now? They were plus 800 to win the Cup. Am I going to wake up tomorrow and they're going to be plus 600? Go put your bets on the abs for the Cup right now. Is that what we're saying?
1: I mean... I'm not gonna tell people what to do with their money, but <laughs> that's Andre's job. True. They are they are so good, dude. Like that. Let's let's okay. Let's just I know that this pod is now going long, but that's just the reality of what happens when you have a trade that drops in the 50th minute. Look at okay, they they exit the Dallas series. What's the biggest the two biggest things that you really thought that they were really, really missing? A top six forward. To really round out that group so that you're no longer rotating in a Donskoy and a Comfer and a Nuchushkin and a Nemesnikov and all those guys, right? Yep. Like you're you're not messing with that, okay? You sod right off the top. And but you lose the Dorov. Now you've replaced the Dorov with Devontae. That
0: do you have the skater charts pulled up?
1: No. Dang. I, I can.
0: Give me Zadora versus Taze right now.
1: Um, okay. Well, um, I'm going to give you. I mean, I'm if you have other stuff, you.
0: Send it my way, and we'll we'll throw it all up here. Okay. So yeah, we'll, if we're if we're committing to
1: this pod, yeah, we'll we're committing to it, man. That. Spend spend yeah. some wheels while I while yeah, I do this.
0: Exactly. So I look, the ABS Holy are going shit. to be set. They're committing to this roster. They're committing to winning a cup before you pay Nathan McKinnon again. That's where we're at. Barely caught that sneeze. Uh, This, and again, the thing I want to go back to with this Taze thing is they kept their first round picks. They have kept assets in the draft. Let me
1: tell you, had they traded a first round pick for Devon Taves, I would have struggled with that one. So there you go. I would have struggled with that. Like Devon, Devon Taves is really good, but is he first round pick? Well, of... and like, and like things can happen, things, things can happen here. Okay. Where you put together a great team, you know, you, you, both your goaltenders get hurt and you, you roll with Hunter Miska for, for 30 games and you end up picking in the top 12 or something. So,
0: let's Actually. How much do you believe in Justin Barron? Do, do you believe that guy can be in the NHL three years from now? Yes. Because if you do, the abs have set up a very strong transition for themselves where you're going to have McCar, you're going to have Gerard, you're probably going to have Taze in your top four. And then Ryan Graves' three-year contract comes off the books at the same time that McKinnon's contract is up and you can transition him out for Justin Barron coming in on an ELC. So maybe that three-year deal actually does make some sense in that context for Ryan Graves, where the abs are looking to the future and getting value out of bringing in Justin Barron in that way. As we have some of the, uh, the data coming in
1: one more, one more coming your way.
0: You're all good. All right, let's share these bad boys. Here you go. So here is Taze's isolated impact on the ice. Absolutely fantastic on both ends there. That is beautiful to look at. I mean, his first year, he was a baller in the offensive zone. His second year, very solid. But that defensive side, you got to love that. Yeah. Next up. Let's take a look at the skater chart between Taze and Zadorov here. Boom. The Avs got better on the defensive side, by the way. You gotta love that. I I I better offensively from than Zadorov. not really a big surprise there. Look at... Oh, man, look at that. Everyone tired of Zadorov taking penalties? Look at that difference. <laughs> Taze ain't going to take any penalties for being too big. Real teammate numbers are absolutely absurd.
1: And keep in mind the Islanders are the best defensive team in the NHL. Yep. Just saying. Just
0: throwing it out there.
1: Because <laughs> those all of those relative to teammate numbers... That's those are relative to the teammates who comprised the best defensive team in the league. Yep, just saying.
0: And this is so that's the,
1: that's two years ago.
0: You can bet your ass coming to the ABS that shooting percentage while he's on the ice is going to go up.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also note that when you uh, did you did you show this last year's? Did you show nineteen twenty?
0: Uh, I can show that one,
1: yeah, because this is 18 19. I wanted both years just to show you the Devontae's
0: next year, which it does come down a little bit, but yeah,
1: but this is this also the skater charts are heavily weighted towards actual points, yep, and so that's why when the skater score goes way up or down based on actual production,
0: but I but you're looking at the same thing still, extremely strong numbers relative to teammates. The only thing that's down is expected goals and shooting percentage. Uh, compared to a guy that i mean that's his controlling the defensive zone is elite yeah so the avs if you traded nikita zadorov for Devin Tay's one for one the avs got significantly better and once again here's uh here's his isolated summary a little bit of a different look at it uh, very solid offensively, not helping you on the power play, but this guy's not going to play on the Avs power play anyway, so it's not a yeah. big deal.
1: he doesn't take penalties.
0: Yep. So, and then very solid defensively as well. The Avs got essentially a super solid two-way defender that you can rely and And I think the big key here, especially if we're talking about an injured EJ is you can play this guy for days at five on five. You can just dump minutes into this dude. Yep. So I, Avs, Avs did good. Avs did good boys.
1: <laughs> I'm still not, this doesn't change anything for Paul and Byron for me.
0: I agree. Uh, Bowen Byram should still be in the lineup. This is the exact conversation we were having earlier on the show for AJ. If you're making this move, you still need to believe in Bowen Byram and mm-hmm. be willing to rotate an Ian Cole as a seventh defenseman yep. to get Bowen Byram time.
1: Or, or Ryan Graves.
0: Or Ryan Graves, sure. Whichever one Which, you prefer. Yeah,
1: I'm telling that. you, whichever one. Um, All right. I don't even... I don't even I don't even know what you do if you're in the central division. Like you're you're Dallas, what the hell do you do? How are you trying to get better off of that? You've got RFAs to sign. But it's like okay, like they
0: I don't look again, this is luck, this is it. I don't you can think the Evs need other stuff, but the Evs are done going out and getting dudes. If anything they might need to move somebody out, so this is your avalanche roster for the 2020-2021 season, and it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I mean, you're St. Louis. You're out of money. You're, you're Dallas, and you all the high-end guys have moved. You're really, really light on assets to try and get a lot better. I'm just not sure. All of this can be undone if Phil Grubauer can't be the guy.
0: One hundred percent. the The goaltending is what the goaltending is going to be, but you're taking a goaltender that, assuming he can stay healthy, you know you can get at worst league average out of, right? And you just made the defense in front of him significantly better with upside of a Bowen-Byram that could make it even better if he does perform. And you still have a stupid top six on the other side that you just added Brandon Sod to.
1: Who, by the way, is just, just happens to be another play-driving monster. Yeah. <laughs> so... This is... Look, so they, it's so funny that they have gone from Patrick Waugh calling Fenwick Fenway in a press <laughs> conference to now they are, they are making multiple moves for elite analytical players This and they're building their roster through this, through this path. You know, this is so, this I, is so weird.
0: I understand that the Evs are a great team off the rush. But with the moves they've made this year and with the ability to drive, play, control both zones of the ice, this feels reminiscent of the Red Wings in the aughts where they just dominated puck possession for entire games.
1: Yeah, this, like, obviously, we're really, really amped up about this right now. And we're really looking at the team and we're just, we're kind of like, holy shit right now. Yep. But this... This feels like a 56% like Corsi type team.
0: Yeah. Where they just control the puck all game long.
1: Right. Where they just, they go, they roll in and, and it's shot attempts every night are
0: lopsided against not the best teams in the league.
1: 65 to 48, you know, scoring chances are 32 to 19. You know, high danger chances are twelve to four. You know, like shit like that, like where it's just, yeah, it's just a different. It's a different, good whole new level. Yeah. Good luck, dude. I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying not to get super over the top because Devon Taves is like maybe my favorite Islander outside of Matt Barzell. But. Look,
0: you can get it from me, then. Coming from the non-Islander fan on this podcast, the Avs have created a situation where they took the biggest problem with their defense was the lack of consistency in getting pucks going the right direction. You look directly at Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, sure, to a certain extent. You run into that problem with the Ian Coles of the world and a little bit lesser Ryan Graves as well but they moved out Zadorov and they brought in a guy who does exactly that. He moves pucks forward and he gets to move them to one of the best offenses in the league. Uh I don't I'm not going to compare Big Z to Taze directly on video, but I will have video uh, of both Sod and Taze coming up in the coming days. I was going to have a Sod one today, but I might just hold on to it and throw Sod and Taze together in one.
1: I think the abs have become the grand experiment. The grand experiment. Yeah, the the conversation of okay, like
0: what if you not bull hog analytics? It's
1: not. It, it's 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 not like Devon Taves and Brandon Sod aren't like physical and gritty guys, but these dudes, they the abs have gone in on they've gone in on skating. Yep, they've gone in on skill. They've gone after very specific skill sets and very specific.
0: Analytical targets that
1: like very like like very specific things that they want to be good at. And you can't be good at everything. You just can't be good at everything. But
0: I, for one, welcome our new skill and skating first overlords.
1: They it they feel like the grand experiment right now, like Carolina, Carolina out east is all good and well. But what's Carolina's biggest problem? They don't have the high-end guys. It's great process, but if you don't have guys that are gonna put up a hundred points in a season, you're kind of just like, all right, well, you still need you still need physical guys, you still need guys that throw the body, you still you still need some of this nasty, but where they've where they've married it they've married nasty they've married physical yeah. with a with effective yep and this was kind of the thing that i was i was telling people about the sod deal is that they're not really giving up a lot in terms of zadorov because a lot of his physicality he sacrificed either positioning or effectiveness or it was only good in certain like Nikita Zadorov is amazing at denying zone entries because guys don't want him to hit him at, at the blue line. But yep. when he has to turn his back to the to the to the skaters and he has to go get pucks and then move that from his own zone, Nikita Zadorov struggled a ton. So how effective was it that he was that his size and his physicality prev- prevented a zone entry? Like great, you're taking now you're taking a chance in on a dump in, but when he was bad with dump ins it's not really playing it's it's not really avoiding something, you know? Yeah. Like I'm um, okay. You wanna Nathan McKinnon had ninety nine points last year. Like I'm
0: he's he's definitely memeing.
1: Yeah, like come come on, bud.
0: Uh <laughs> Colorado may only have forty eight points next year, but that's because this season might be like forty games long. Yeah. <laughs> um 48 points might get them into the playoffs but uh i
1: it's true they do not have a 100 point player it is a it is a factual <laughs> statement
0: um uh, i don't think the abs could have gotten any better as a whole you could have removed this sod trade remove this Taze move and gone out and gotten Taylor Hall and made your offense better. But as far as skaters are concerned, they got better on offense and defense. And this is a team that was three minutes away from a conference finals with injuries riddled abound. So I, I, I hate to, Do this because it's a sport? Look, literally anything can happen. This team could implode. We don't know. Yeah. But if there's ever been a time to believe that this team can do the thing, why not right now?
1: Dude, I mean, this is... (laughs) (laughs) This is sinister. They're (laughs) They're the best team in the West, man easy until the Petrangelo dominoes start to fall and we start to see what all Vegas has to, to sacrifice in order to get Petrangelo or if Petrangelo just decides F this, I'm going somewhere else, like not dealing with whatever, whatever the fallout ends up being as of this moment, they're the best team in the West. And because of what Tampa Bay is probably going to have to lose in order to keep their RFAs. Yep. They're very, they are pushing best team in the league. Yeah. Most just raw, most talented team top to bottom in the NHL.
0: I, I think Cygnus brings up a good point here. As AJ was alluding to, this is not expected to be a short-term deal with Taze.
1: Yeah. If this uh, is a two-year deal, it's a big disappointment because then they're pushing all the chips into two-year window.
0: Which, I do think the Evs have certainly made some more work for themselves by going out and getting this move done. You talked about a potential EJ buyout on the horizon. There could be other moves involved. But This,
1: to to Cube's point about what Sakik had to do in order to get other GMs to agree, <laughs> I just watched Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? yesterday, and it kind of feels like Tommy when he sold his soul to the devil to play the guitar, and he plays the hell out of it. I'm wondering if after the 48 point season, Joe Sakic was like, "Yep, I'll do it. I'll <laughs> sell my soul to become the best, the best GM in the NHL." <laughs> because it just sort of feels like, like how, what a vulture, man. Yep. It's the there. Chicago, the Chicago deal. I'm not sure how he got Stan Bowman to agree to it. Like, I'm still kind of confused. This one, this- I under, I understand. That he is taking advantage of a team that had no money. Right.
0: This this one is the, you happen to be around. There's a guy there that they want to get rid of. And yeah. You, we'll take him.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. I I, I, don't, know what to, I don't know what to say, bud. I think this we're is...
0: finally winding down here. Yeah, it's.
1: Uh... P.S. What an awesome story for Devontae's a fourth-round pick, not a whole lot expected of him, went to Quinnipiac, had a solid three-year career, plays in the AHL for a couple of years, really, really tears it up for Bridgeport, goes up onto an Islanders team and just refuses to go away. Yep. And...
0: This is... Devontae's is a rich man's Ryan Graves. My phone is blowing up. I bet it is. Or, or maybe Ryan Graves is a poor man's Devontae's. That's kind of how I feel about this. But I think we're done. Wait, repeat that? Devontae's is a rich man's Ryan Graves.
1: Oh, I wouldn't even. They're so different.
0: Are they, though? I don't think they're that yeah. different other than the skating.
1: I mean, one of them is a fantastic transition player and a really good defender, and the other one is Ryan Graves.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. That's why Graves like, is the rich man version.
1: Yeah, like Ryan. They're gonna trade Ian Cole and Ryan Graves. Gonna be the only third pairing defenseman. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. They're gonna. They're gonna open up and it's gonna be Bo Byram and Ryan Graves on the third pairing, and it's gonna be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. The cool. team is on the verge of being.
0: There's a hot take on the so good. hot take on the timeline. What's that? How much more does does Joe Sakik have to do? All right. Let's assume Joe Sakic wins two cups. Let's start there. Okay.
1: That's a huge assumption. I, okay. I know,
0: but this isn't even oh, a okay. unless he does that. All right. Is there a world where Joe Sakik becomes a better GM than he was a hockey player?
1: He's got a long way to go. Yeah. Because he might be a top 15 skater of all time. Like he's, I honestly, when people, when people talk about greatest players of a generation, I think he gets overlooked because Peter Forsberg was so
0: electric in his. I mean, he was just so
1: special and so different, but I mean, it would take up. It would take the kind of career that David Poyle has had, where Sackic is a GM for thirty years, 30 years right? So. And he would he would have to, I mean, he would have to win. He would have to have like the Scotty Bowman of GM careers. Uh,
0: yeah, Chummy. Or he wins
1: like eight cups or whatever.
0: At, at this point, Timmins is one hundred percent in the AHL to start the year, and I expectations are Gilbert will be as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So
0: you're you're looking at seven with if Byram makes the team. Yeah, um, if Byram doesn't make the team, you probably throw Gilbert as the seventh D, so Timmons can get playing time. But
1: it, I'm gonna take a picture of my email. Okay, just to show you how crazy the last couple of days have been for the Avs. Yeah, I'm sure it's because a- it's just it's all Avs press releases of all the things that they've done. <laughs> Which is quite a bit, and it's just it's so funny because it starts with Avalanche re-signs Dries, add three forwards, and they're all AHL players. Yeah, they, their Friday was
0: nothing; they and did it,
1: nothing. On it Friday. amps up so quickly because then it goes Avalanche re-signs Burakovsky, and you are like, oh, that's a big deal. Yeah, and then it's Avalanche re-signs Magnet, you are like, oh right, okay, whatever. back to nothing. And then Natchushkin, and you are like, all right, well, that's middle of the road. And then it's acquire sod Gilbert from Chicago, and you are like, okay dinner plate eyeballs. And then the other trade that they made with the Islanders, which we didn't even talk about where they got Kyle Burroughs for AJ Greer. Yeah, which, and mean, you're like, Oh great. Another AHL move. Yeah. And then it's re Graves. And you're like, Oh, well let's see what that one looks like. And then acquires Devon Taves. And you're like, Jesus. <laughs> it's been quite a week. Weekend. I have no idea what to expect for Devon Taves's new contract. I really don't know, but I expect it's a serious deal from Colorado's end. Like I, that thing, it should be four or five years.
0: Meanwhile, Nashville signing Brad Richardson. (laughs) Okay. You sending me this thing? No, we can do that later. Um, you're going to send me a picture of that, but it's fine.
1: Oh, no, I've got to, like, actually get the yeah, whole thing together. Right, yeah, I have, yeah, to, yeah. Okay. I have I, to get my immigration emails, yeah, like, out of because, the way. Yeah. Right,
0: make it cool. Either way, we're going to get out of here. Um, I'm sure we'll have tweets, maybe articles, maybe a bunch of other stuff up. Um, I was in the
1: middle of just writing about Sack Expressor from earlier today. I don't know what the hell to do now. you got
0: to blow that thing up.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm still going to write that, but now it's like, now I've got to throw Devon Taves in the middle of it and do I write a separate Devon Taves article yeah. now? I don't yeah, maybe. maybe. Now we've got now you have to get on the video for both Sod and Taves and yeah. you'll get I a- have to try and explain to people why why Devon Taves is the shit.
0: You'll get a Sod breakdown video tonight, the Taves one sometime this week. Uh I was not prepared for for Taves. So uh, we'll get what you, what you want. Uh, keep it posted. Keep it at DNVR uh, over the next couple of days. Of course, we have the pod five days a week for you as well, so I'm sure we'll dive into Taze's contract whenever we find out what that is, what the Avs are starting to look like, um, and what their their whole organization shapes up, so... Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening. This one ran long because that's just the way it worked out. We appreciate all y'all in the chat. If you're not on the YouTube, highly recommend you come join us, hang out, and chat with us on the YouTube every single day. Be sure to subscribe. It helps us a ton. Like the videos as well. Until tomorrow, who the hell knows what's going to happen next, but we will talk to y'all then.